Well, if you knew we were gone, we're back. We were gone for a couple of weeks back to Southern Ontario to see family. Um, it's an interesting thing how, how things for us have changed in the last number of years. And for a while, we talk about going home when we go back to Ontario. And now when we're in Ontario, we talk about going home to come back here. It, it's an amazing thing the way that that happened. Um, my dad, on, on the last morning, he, he regularly goes for prayer walks in the morning talking to God and listening to God. One of the ways that God speaks to him are sometimes not so much through words as impressions, this just sense, well, which is sort of a combination of a feeling and a conviction and an intuition all, at, all in one. And it, it takes some time sometimes to put words to, but it's still God speaking. And he came back, uh, I think it was the last morning we were there. We were about to catch a flight in just a couple of hours. We had an afternoon flight. This is his morning prayer walk on Wednesday morning. And I'm sitting down and I'm having my coffee and he comes in from his prayer walk and he says, I just had this, this sense from God as I was out praying that they, speaking of, of me and my, my family, they're going back to a church. And that's a really good thing. They're going back to a church. And that's a really good thing. We are leaving family to come to family. And that's a really good thing. And I, I took that and I have, I have kept that with me. Uh, we're going back. We came back to a church that's on the move. That God is moving in this place. And we get to, we have the privilege of being part of it. And that's a really, really good thing. So it's, I'm, I am honestly really glad to be back. I'm really glad to be here this morning. I'm really glad to see you and be with you. Because um, where I worshiped uh, the previous Sunday was different, wasn't bad. And I, I blessed them. They're not my family. And it's good to be back here with you guys. And God is on the move here. And we are a people on the move. As I was listening for what, what's next, what are we speaking on next? Where are we going? Um, one of the things that I heard from the Lord um, before I knew what we were going to be, where we were going to be going was, you're going to be surprised with what I tell you. And so as I, I spent the morning listening uh, in preparation for this, this message as I got back to the office this week and started saying, okay, Lord, like, where are we going here? And you'd already told me I was going to be surprised. I was going to be surprised. He says, Deuteronomy. <laughs> like, yep, I'm surprised. Um, maybe just a, a clarification. First of all, I don't know how long we'll be in Deuteronomy. Secondly, this is not a course on Deuteronomy. Uh, I am not, my, my goal is not to preach Deuteronomy. My goal is to preach from Deuteronomy to the movement of God here at this time. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you about source theory and JED and P if you went to seminary and you know anything about that, that stuff's long fallen away anyway. Um, I'm not going to talk to you about, um, I'm I'm not here to lay out and hope that you understand Deuteronomy better and can recite facts about it. 
Yet the New Testament, as they reflect on the Old Testament, says these things happened as examples to us. So that's um, 1 Corinthians 10. Paul says these things reflecting specifically on Deuteronomy in the period um, that Deuteronomy reflects as these things happened as examples to us. So we're going to go back and look at examples of the ways that God was speaking and moving to see how it applies to the ways God is currently speaking and moving here at this time. I'm not going to preach Deuteronomy. I'm going to preach from Deuteronomy. And there's a big difference in that. Would you go to the book of Deuteronomy? For those of you who do not know, Deuteronomy is a speech. The people stand on the edge of the promised land. They have buried an entire generation of faithless forefathers and foremothers. Is that a word, foremothers? I might have just made that up on the spot. They're they're foreparents? I don't, whatever it is, the previous generation, they buried. They buried them in the desert because they were, were not faithful to what God was saying and doing in the moment. And it cost them their lives. It cost them their inheritance. And after that generation has been buried, they once again stand on the edge of the promised land and on the edge of their inheritance. And it's a question of whether or not these people will make the same mistake as the last ones. And Deuteronomy is given to the people on the edge of something. Are you hearing what the Spirit is currently saying to the church as a people on the edge of something? This is what they need to hear. They are people on the edge and God is about to move again and they need to learn from the past. Deuteronomy chapter one. I am not going to read the whole thing, though we are going to read quite a bit of it, but I want to start just with a single verse. The the speech starts at verse six as Moses, their leader, is essentially giving the final words. And what he's going to start with is pointing backwards to where they have come from. He's going to remind them of what they've been through over the past 40 plus years. So he's going to look back 40 years and remind them of this. Here the speech begins. The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb. Horeb is simply another name for uh, Mount Sinai. So you remember after they left, the people left Egypt. God brought them to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. Same word uh, or same, same place, different name. He brought us to Mount Horeb. They got the Ten Commandments there, right? They had the golden calf incident there as well. They built the tabernacle at the base of this place. They have an amazing encounter with God at Mount Horeb, at Mount Sinai. And what does he say? The Lord God spoke to us at Horeb saying, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. I find this absolutely incredible. You have stayed long enough at this mountain. This is where they met God. 
This is where God comes down in fire. This is where Moses and the leaders of the people, Aaron and his sons and 70 of the leaders of the people go up and see God and have dinner with God, if you recall that story in Exodus. This is where Moses goes up the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments and brings down God's handwriting on stone. This is where God addresses the people verbally and they hear his voice and they actually say, we don't want to hear you speak to us through Moses, but they have an encounter with God. This is Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, is where Moses spends 40 days in God's presence. And God says, you've been here long enough. You know, we talk about mountaintop experiences within the church, right? You have times where you're just in God's presence and you know, this is amazing. And God says, it's time for you to leave that spot. And you're like, what? That doesn't make sense to me. Why? Why would we ever have to leave that spot? And as, a, as good as that is, as good as the best times that you have ever had with God, it's not for you to stay there. It's not for us to stay there. You have to be a people on the edge of something and you have to move. Those are the people that were enjoying Mount Sinai. There are a whole lot of people there that weren't enjoying Mount Sinai and that whole experience. And the message to them is the same. You got to move. Are you someone who hasn't been experiencing the mountaintop with God lately? Are you someone who's been experiencing the exact opposite? It's time to move. And for some of you who have felt stuck, it's time to move. Moving requires something. Go to verse 19. So God said it's time to move. And where does he say they're going? They're going to the promised land, right? They're going to their inheritance. So he says, then we set out. We listen to what God said. We set out from Mount Sinai, from Horeb, and we went through all that great and terrible wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, which is the promised land, just as the Lord our God had commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, which is the edge. We came to the edge of the promised land. That's where they are right now, as Moses is currently speaking. So now he's recalling what happened there the last time they got to that point, 40 years ago. And I said to you, you've come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is about to give us. See, your Lord God has placed the land before you. Go up and take possession, just as the Lord, the God of your forefathers has, or the God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be dismayed. He's telling them to go take the land. Go to verse 26. Yet you were unwilling to go up. Instead, you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you grumbled in your tents, saying, because the Lord hates us, 
He's brought us out of this land of Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to destroy us. Remember, the promised land was occupied with their enemies. And they're trembling before their enemies. And so they say in verse 28, where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt. Remember the spies? They reported back. They said, it's a great land, but we can't take these people. Most of them did. So their, their report is that the people are bigger and taller than we are. The cities are large and fortified all the way up to heaven. And besides, we saw giants there. But Moses said, I said to you, don't be terrified of them, nor fear them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. And as he did in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you just as a man carries his son on all of the road which you have walked until you have come to this place. Yet, look at verse 32. In spite of all this, you didn't trust the Lord your God. The Lord your God who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to make camp in the fire by night to show you the way by which you should go and in the cloud by day. That's how God walked with his people. And yet they don't trust him. Just pause there a moment. Focus on verse 30. They don't trust him. Look at verse 30. There's two parts to trust here. Two reasons to trust. Look at verse 30. The Lord your God, who goes before you, will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. He reminds them both of what God has done. He reminds them of Egypt. Now, in fairness, Egypt is like months and months and months in their past right? They, they spent months at, at Mount Horeb. I mean, Moses was up on the mountain like more than once for 40 days, I believe. Like they, they spent months camped at Mount Sinai and it took them, I think, an 11-day journey from there to, to the edge of the land here. So we're talking months. Egypt, uh, the exodus from Egypt is months in their past. And yet for them, it's, it's slipped out of their past and they're not even remembering what God has done for them. It's harder to trust when you don't keep alive the memory of what God has already been doing. Are we going to keep alive the memories of what God has done here as we've shared testimonies, as you've seen God, you've heard him speak, as you've seen him moving, keep that alive. We will need that as we move to the edge of what God is asking us to do next. But it's not just what he has done. Verse 30 all talks about, also talks about what he's still currently doing among the people. He says, every single day, the Lord leads you by fire and by cloud. You can trust God for what's next, not only because of the past, because, but also because of what he's currently doing among you. You have no reason not to trust. And I know you sit here and go, that's great for the Israelites because they were led by fire and by cloud. They saw it. How do I put this gently? You have something better. You have something better than a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. God took 
the cloud. God took the fire and he put it in you. The cloud and the fire are the very presence of God. It's the cloud that would come down onto Mount Sinai as God's presence. God moved his presence from Mount Sinai to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where Moses would go and meet God. And then when it was time for him to lead the people out, the presence of God would go ahead in cloud by day and fire by night. He put that presence then in the temple. As, as Solomon builds the temple, that cloudy presence descends and God fills the temple. And that presence comes to each of us on the day of Pentecost. That's why it's fire. Again, it's pillars of fire. A tongue is a little pillar of fire. And he takes that and he puts it in each one of you. Don't you dare, don't you dare say they had a better deal than we did. There is no way any of them would say that they had a better deal than you and I have now. You can trust God because he speaks to you. You can trust God because you have something better than they ever had in you right now. And among us right now, it's better. It's better, it's better, it's better. If you don't yet know that experience, you better find it because it's better. Go back to his word and find it. It's better. You can trust God. but they didn't. Look at verse 34. They had complained, right? We can't take the land. We're not going to get our inheritance. This God actually brought us out here to kill us. And what did they say? The Lord heard the sound of your words and he was angry and he swore an oath saying, not one of these men or women, this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, one of the 12 spies. He shall see it and I will give him the land on which he has set his foot and to his sons and daughters because he followed the Lord faithfully. Remember, Caleb and Joshua were the only two spies who said, the land is good. The people are strong. Our God is stronger. Let's go. The Lord was angry with me on that day. Speaking of Moses, saying, on your account, our, um, excuse me, the Lord was angry with me also on that day on your account, saying, not even you shall enter there. Be warned, Benjamin. But Joshua, son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there too, just like Caleb. Encourage him, for he will give it to Israel as an inheritance. Notice this, verse 39. Moreover, your little ones, your children. See, this is what the people had said. Uh, they, those, well, if we go try and take the land, they're not just going to kill us, they're going to kill our kids. Our kids will be plunder. Moreover, your little ones, the ones that you said would become plunder, and your sons and daughters who this day had, have no knowledge of good and evil, they're, they, they're not yet mature. They're still kids. 
They're the ones that shall enter, and I will give it to them, and they will take possession of it. What happened to them? Those people died. The people who said, we are scared of what God is saying and doing and the direction that he is leading us. And we, we fear not only for ourselves, but we fear for our children are the very people who do not get the inheritance. The very people who try to protect themselves and protect their children against what God is saying and doing are the very people who forfeit the protection of God. Do you see that? Their excuse for not following what God was saying and doing was, we're not going to make it, and it will cost us our lives and our children, are the very people who don't make it, and it costs them their lives, and it costs their children. You want to protect your kids? You want your kids to follow God? The best thing you can do to protect your kids is give them the example of following God. Caleb and Joshua do that. And they get the inheritance and their kids are protected. The rest of them aren't. You want to protect yourself? Maybe you don't have responsibility for kids anymore. Well, the same thing still applies. You want to protect what you've got? Even though it looks dangerous, follow what God's saying and doing, even if it's scary. And I know some of you have been scared. I'm speaking to the church. I know some have been scared about what God's saying and doing. Where's the inheritance and where's the protection? It is following what God's saying and God's doing. It's not simply trying to protect our stuff, protect our way. It's where's he moving next? That's where the protection is, church. That's where the inheritance is. That's where God's moving. There's been a movement in this church. There's been a movement in this church. And I've, I've actually had the experience of someone calling me and saying, I see God moving and I'm on the outside of it. What do I have to do? That's a really good spot to be. And if that's your experience right now, then what it's going to take is spending even the next moment as we pause and asking the Lord, what has kept me 
at the foot of the mountain? Or what has kept me on the mountain top and I'm not ready to move with the people? What is it in me that has kept me from going where it is that you're saying to go? What, what is it about the land and the direction that has caused and evoked fear in me? And it has caused me to trust in my own understanding rather than in what you're saying and doing. Because I know it's scary, but God is bigger. So why haven't I gone with God yet on it? Maybe that's for you corporately. Maybe that's for you individually in your life right now. What is it that God has been saying to you about where he's taking you, but you haven't gone yet? Because there's something, there's a fear blocking. There's something in the way. It's time you've stayed on this mountain long enough. Would you take a moment and ask the Lord to identify those things for you? And then we will close. Let's take a moment to listen. Remember the description of the promised land? It was a land flowing with milk and honey, right? You may not love milk or honey, but that is an image of something, isn't it? A land flowing with milk and honey is, an, is a land that produces by itself good things. Milk just comes. 
honey, honey grows of itself because the bees, you don't have to work for honey, right? There are things that you want. There are things that you want from God that you're only going to get in the land. I know that there are some of you that have this dream of, you know, if, if God really met me, if God really met this church, this would happen. That is in the land, my friends. We have to get to the land. Which means we got to move. Let's pray. Lord, would you make me and make us people who are ready to move even from the very best that we have so far experienced with you? Would you make us a people who love you so much and who are so sensitive to what it is that you're saying and doing that we will move because you move because where you go, I go. My prayer is that of Moses that don't send us from your presence. We only go where you go. And Lord, would you make us people who are, even if we are scared, say, but I trust my God. I have seen him at work and I see him moving now. And he is bigger than the thing blocking me. Lord, would you make us people who as much as we want protection, recognize that the protection, the only real protection is in the very presence of God, even if it is in the middle of our enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The safest place to be is with you. Would you make us people who give a good example to those who come after? May we receive the inheritance and then pass it along to our children. May we not forfeit it and let them have to fight for it alone themselves. Lord, make us that kind of people who will move with you. We trust you, Lord. You are good. We've been singing this morning about you being our king. You are our good king. And we will follow you out of obedience. We will follow you out of love. We will follow you because like Peter said, where else can we go? You're the king. Lord, make us that kind of people. Thank you for the work you are doing. We submit our entire lives to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. House of Cards. I don't want a life protecting a house of cards. You want to protect your life? Give it. 
If you feel like that's something that really resonates with you and you need some prayer, be happy to pray for you before you go. If God's been speaking to you, do not harden your hearts. I've noticed that when God speaks to people, there's a very narrow window of time in which you need to make a decision before it becomes simply a memory of, he spoke to me, but I didn't do something about it. So if you are protecting a house of cards right now and you resonate with that, let's talk. It's so good to be back with you, my friends. Really is. Um, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, my friends. Thanks for being here. Blessings.